Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The title of today's sermon is Solid Faith. Solid Faith. And I want to read a text, one of the most important statements that Jesus ever made. Listen, if you want to grow spiritually, this is one of the great starting points. Turn your Bibles, Mark chapter 8, we'll read verse 36 to 37. Mark chapter 8, from verse 36 to 37. It says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? It says, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? This year is the solid year as we have received prophetically a special year, year of preparation and conviction. A special year of what? Preparation and what? Said again, a year of preparation and conviction. So God wants to help you build a foundation that can carry any weight in your future. Listen, success is weighty. A lot of people encountered it and couldn't carry it. They broke their spine. You ought to be ready. Failure also is weighty. A lot of people experienced the, the slightest challenge and that was their end forever. So God wants to help you build a foundation that can carry whatever it is you experience in your future. You know what he said? He says a wise man builds his house on a rock. He says, and the rain came and the flood came and his house was still standing. That's how to prepare for the future. You don't prepare for the future by praying that the rain will not fall or the storm will not come. Mm -mm. Focus on your foundation. Come on, are you with me? Because many people, their brand of Christianity, you know, just hopes for the best. Eh -eh. You prepare for the best. That's God's methodology. This is so important. This will save your life. And so we want to take our bearing from Mark chapter 8 verse 36 where he says, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? That's a very important question. Listen, I want to suggest to you that one of the greatest preparations in discipleship is to answer this question. To understand and have a conviction about the worth of a soul. You must, you must understand it. The worth of a soul. Listen, many wolves in this world have arisen on account of a low estimation of the worth of a soul. There are many wars in this world that happen because the countries don't have a proper estimation of the value of a human soul. It doesn't matter the provocation. It takes a lot. It takes a kind of psychology to take an atomic bomb and drop it in a vicinity for millions to die. Come on, are you getting what I'm saying? And don't wait till you get there. Answer the question now. What is the worth of a soul? 
When you read in the papers that someone gave birth to a baby and threw the baby in a dump. In a dump. Answer the question now. What is the worth of a soul? How expensive is life? How expensive is life? Many people who are better than you have fallen because they didn't understand what we're talking about. So I want to draw three key points from this text. Please listen like your life depends on this because it does. Listen like your life depends on this. Number one, your soul will be bought if it is up for sale. Oh my God, just in case no one ever told you. Your soul will be bought if it is up for sale. Jesus was not speaking hypothetically or poetically. He was speaking from experience. The person who said this, once upon a time, the devil took him to a high mountain from whence he could see all the glories of the world and said, if you just bow, I will give them to you. He was speaking from experience. And so he's presenting that to you because one day someone will come to you offering money for your soul. For you, it might not be a high mountain. In fact, I've said jokingly seriously that there is a mountain from whence you could see all the glories of the world and that's the internet. You can see what is going on in China. You can see what is going on in Japan. You see, you can lose your contentment because of someone in Atlanta, a place you probably have never been before. And you just lose your sleep. You can lose satisfaction with your life because of someone you have never seen. You can see all the glories of the world. And you can bow to it. For you, it might be in your office. It might be the signature line. Just append your signature here. If they find your soul in the market, they will buy it. Jesus is telling you this. He's not just mentioning this hypothetically. It will happen. So you better prepare for it. Prepare. Please, are you listening to me? Uh, prepare for it. And start building conviction. I'm a businessman. Yes, I want to change the world, but not at any cost. And so there are things in my life that are worth more than money. The non-negotiables in my life. That even if you offer me the oil wells in Dharan in Saudi Arabia, or the gold mines in Grassberg, I don't want. My soul is worth more. My conscience is worth more. Start training your mind on this. Listen, otherwise your strength will fail in the day of adversity. You start training now. What is the worth of my soul? It's, 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 it's something to think about. What shall it profit me? If I gain, even if it's the whole world, and lose my soul. Think about it. Uh, 
And for you to deeply understand this, you must understand the basic laws of trade, basic laws of exchange. Money makes me bear inconvenience. You have to understand. There are some things, I'm not talking about bad things, though. There are some good things that you won't do for free, but you will do at a cost. You have a nine to five. That's a lot of hours, a lot of commitment. Nobody will demand that type of commitment from you for free, but at a cost you will do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not a bad thing. It's the law of trade. But you now need to understand the law of trade in preserving what is more important than money. Because there are some things that the devil will never get you to do for nothing, but you will consider it at a cost. Please, are you, are you listening to me? So if I tell you, stand for 10 hours, you say, I can't do that. But if I tell you, if I come in 10 hours' time and you are still standing, I'll give you a million dollars. 10 hours will now look like 30 minutes to you. I like a Mercedes. It's a good car, but not at the expense of my soul. So Jesus says, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? It's a good, it's a good car, very nice car, very, very luxurious, very fast, but not in exchange. Please, are you listening to me? I, I like a good house, well furnished. Mention one fancy place in the world. Mention one fancy place. What? In Paris. Listen, just in case you don't know, Lagos has the most expensive real estate in the world. Are you aware? (laughs) So better rate your own place. (laughs) But not in exchange for my soul. Start rehearsing it. Not just bad things, but good things. I'm talking priority here. Let me say this. If you are not willing to lose good things, your soul still has a price. You just haven't got a good offer yet. If there is anything that you must have, at all costs, that there is no way you will see yourself without money in this life. The devil has got you. You you have a price. You just haven't been offered yet. So there must be good things that will never be absolute things. Are you getting what I'm saying? So you must answer the questions in your mind. I would rather be poor than what? You, you, must, you, must, you must have those options. In fact, I want to give you an assignment. I'm not saying you will be poor, but go and write it down. One full page, I would rather be poor than do what? Go write it. I'm teaching you how to meditate. I'm teaching you how to build a conviction. Because Satan is going to have a bargain. 
If Satan just comes and says, bow to me, you say, what? Never. Why would I? Never. But he's, he's too smart to just come direct. He will first show you all the glories of the world. He knows your covetousness. He knows your covetousness, your envy of others. He will use it against you. He says, you want that? Just bow. So if there are good things that you are not ready to pass on, you still have a price. And that day is coming. You will be shocked. You, you, you will defile your conscience. You will be so shocked. And let me assure you, the devil is not scared of your tongues as long as you still have a price. He's not scared of your loud, hysterical praying as long as you still have a price. He's not scared of how often you go to church as long as you still have a price. The fact that the devil could tell God and say, uh-uh, you are boasting about Job, can't you see? There's a hedge around him. You've blessed him. So remove this thing and see if he will not curse you. You know the fascinating thing about Job's story? The devil took everything and left his wife. That's, I, I think that's very deep. David did not marry well. Job, Job did not marry well. There was no need to take the wife. They are on the same team. <laughs> she will help me persuade him. <laughs> Is that not what happened? Took everything, left only the wife. That is the, we'll talk about that to love good. <laughs> Come on, please, are you with me? This is important. As long as you have a price, he's not scared of fasting. Listen, when he tempted Jesus, Jesus was fasting. You can, still, you can be fasting and still have a price. You are fasting, come, come first. Look at all the glories of the world. Bow now, and I will give it to you. During fasting. Which is why I told you the greatest priority of fasting, the greatest purpose of fasting is not for power, it's not for any of your needs. It's to reorder your priorities, to worship. That's what it is. That's what Jesus meant by man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Because my appetites can become God. Are you getting what I'm saying? And so consciously and intentionally, I'm not waiting for poverty to discover that I am not trained. I start depriving myself willingly, once in a while, of even necessary food to remind myself that God is my ultimate because man shall not live by bread alone. That's the purpose of fasting. Purposely depriving yourself to train your appetite not to be unruly. Not to be irresponsible. And you do that not just with food. You do that with your phone. You do that for anything 
that is struggling for the place of God in your life, you cut it off for a while. Just to remind yourself. Come on, please. Are you listening to me? This is so important. Number three. Anything you value more than your soul is your God. Anything you value more than your soul is your God. Anything you can exchange your soul for is your God. For you to exchange your soul for it, it is more important than it. Just to be sure you are following. What is number one? What is number two? Sorry, I didn't hear you. What's number two again? And what is number three? Oh my God. If you learn this, it will save your life. You see, when in this part of the world, some people go for money rituals. And they tell you, you want money? That's fine. Just kill your father. What is the spiritual science between your father and money? Nothing. Nothing. I want to, I want to help you understand how people sell their souls without knowing. There is nothing spiritually scientific about your father's blood. Your father, if your father was rich, you wouldn't need blood money. So it even is, there is poverty in his blood. There is nothing about his blood that brings money. So why does the devil ask for it? It is because for you to kill your dad for money, it means money is your God. That's how you are selling your soul. This is how people sell their soul. Come on, what I said is very simple, but you get it. So the devil will make you defy your conscience. He will make you, that valuable, the most valuable thing you have, your soul, he will make you rubbish it. That's why many people are made to do foolish things that don't make sense. They will tell you, eat your own feces. And you're wondering, how does this, why is this necessary for me to ascend a new dimension of negative spirituality? That's how you sell your soul. To rubbish it. Defile your conscience. Anything that you value more than your soul is your God. And God tells the children of Israel in the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods besides me. Listen, don't forget where we started at the watch night service. I told you that like the anchor prophetic text for this entire year is Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy means, you know, the re-emphasis, the reiteration of the law. 
where God is reminding you in preparation for the future. Mm -mm, before you go ahead. This is the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. But let's go over these rules and these instructions again. This is your worldview. You shall have no other God besides me. And when we think about that, you know, some people just think about Egyptian gods, Egyptian idols. We think of Greco-Roman idols. We think of Artemis, god of, goddess of beauty. Or Ares, god of war, or all those things. And you're like, I've never been drawn to those things. Oh, you missed the point. You missed the point. Anything that you value more than your soul is what? Look at Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 3. Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 3. Please, are you learning anything? Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 3. Everybody read together, one, two, go. Son of man, these men have set up idols where? Did he say they go to a shrine? Did he say they bow physically before any image? So where are the idols? In their hearts. Idolatry is a corruption of the heart. A misplacement of priority. Where I honor things more than the giver of things. This is why he said, seek ye first. You must do that heart search and reorder your priority until God and God alone sits at the top unchallenged. Dethrone any other thing. Otherwise, you make an idol out of it. Even good things, not sinful things. When you make anything the center of your life, you get your essence from it, your value from it. If you look at anything, even good things, and you say, if I only had this, my life would be more meaningful. That's your idol. Anything you derive your meaning from. I began to learn this when, in very little ways. When I got my first SUV, and something happened, I think I forgot something. And it was just on our street. And the street I was staying on at, at that time wasn't hard. The road wasn't good. So I just stopped the bike and went there and got it. And as I was walking back, someone who knew me and, saw, and knew that I was a pastor was so shocked that you entered bike. And I was like, it's literally faster. It's just here. Do you understand what I'm saying? If I was driving back and I forgot to pick something and I want to go back, I should be entering the gallops. It's going to take more time, but I should be in my car just so that you, you get what I'm saying. And then it began to dawn on me that there are people who actually think like that. Don't do this, don't do that so that they won't see you that way. I believe 
and having like a good brand and all of that, but I'm talking about taking it to the extreme. Oh, please, are you listening to me? Some of you are looking at me as as if you don't know what I'm saying. So listen, God is good, but good is not God. Are you getting what I'm saying? God is good, but good is not God. Good things can become an idol. Start making that differentiation in your heart. Colossians chapter 3 verse 5. Another powerful text, I want you to read this. Open your Bibles, Colossians chapter 3 verse 5. Are you in Colossians 3, 5? Read together, one to go. Therefore, put to death your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. So he's saying, any uncontrollable appetite is an idol. It's idolatry. It's idolatry. Uncontrollable appetite for money, idolatry. For sex, idolatry. For fame, idolatry. For honor, idolatry. Until the only thing original in your life is your heart. (laughs) Please, I'm not even saying... Corrective surgery is wrong. I'm saying it can be an idol. Understand what I'm saying. It can be. It can be. You you have lost your peace. You're so insecure. Always looking at the mirror. Judgmental about yourself. You go out in public. You can't embrace yourself and be satisfied. And the image that is your definition of beauty was engineered. It's engineered. There are many people who like you the way you are. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because I'm, forgive me. You know, uh, I don't want to give examples. But there was a time, definition of beauty was you had to be so slim. So, I mean, some people will starve themselves and almost disappear. You see thin people trying to lose weight. Do you want to vanish? What is left to be lost? Are you trying to lose your soul? I just never understood it. Never take it to an extreme. Do your best and your best is enough. Are you getting what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So, I mean, listen, whether you like it or not, some people, and this is why a lot of liars are making money off us, because some people who are using steroids, for instance, are lying to us as if it is the gene that is producing that. And so you are going, killing yourself over what is not physically attainable. Some people just have a different metabolism than others. So don't go overboard. There's another extreme. 
That's also another God, actually. Just self-love. You know, where you, don't, you don't hold yourself accountable to anything. Embrace me the way I am. I can do bad all by myself. And then you, you, you just wreck and ruin yourself. So I think this is a subject of balance. Please, are you getting this? So understand very well that money can be more than money to you. It can be a God. It can be a God. It can make a worshiper out of you. You know, I've told you, let me, let me say this. Can I talk? So now, start training yourself not to behave like your society. Have sense for yourself. Study from the word of God. So for instance, there are people who will greet a rich young boy, good morning, sir, and call an old poor man by name. I'm telling you, let me say, say this. Even Christians can be indoctrinated into that type of foolishness where the only thing you honor in is money in this life. Please, are you, are you listening to what I'm saying? So you start training yourself. It doesn't take anything from you. Don't say what's up when you should say, sir. Are you listening to me? It doesn't make you trendy. It does not. It does not. Please, there's another extreme where you see people who have done well. Anybody who has done well deserves respect. But at the same time, that should not be the only measure of respect. If it only takes money to command respect from you, and you are so shallow, so shallow, so shallow. So start practicing it. Practice honor. Use ma when you should. Use sa when you should. Because the society has produced a lot of successful people with a lot of imbalances. A lot of the ancient idols, you have to go to the shrine physically. Tim Keller said this, and I think it's very profound. You have to go to the shrine physically to offer a sacrifice. You know, some of them take children's sacrifices. They say, I'll never do that. Maybe you are doing it. Because to achieve success, you neglect family. You sacrifice your children for success. You don't parent them. They don't know you. That's child sacrifice in a sense. So I'm telling you that just the fact that those ancient idols have rebranded, they are tech compliant. You don't have to go to the shrine. It's virtual technology. They, they, can, they can pop up in your heart at any time. And they demand the same sacrifices. And so you must start hidden with a new sense of emphasis, the word of God. You shall have no other gods besides me. 
Because if the devil tells you, stop going to church, you say never. But if he gives you a job that requires you work every Sunday for the rest of your life, Listen, I'm just saying, start putting some boundaries in your life. I remember as a child, my mom came back and she told me that she got a job in the U.S. And I was so excited and she wasn't, and I didn't get it. I said, what's the matter? And then she said, well, I'm not taking it. I was like, what? Is this witchcraft? What do you mean you're not going to take it? She said, I told them that the only reason I'm going to leave this country is if I'm living with my family. And they said no. And so I said, no problem, I'm not doing it. Even I, her son, was like, you're making a mistake. I was so young. But now, in retrospect, I look back and I think, I don't think I will be here if my mom was not present. I'm telling you the honest truth. And she would only have discovered that in heaven. Your son was meant to change the whole world. I gave you a preacher. And she knew, actually, because right from when she was carrying my pregnancy, prophets would tell her, you're, 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 you're carrying a man of God. You're carrying a prophet. There was a time, you know, the Lord had called me in school. And that young boy was on, became on fire for Jesus, came back home for holiday, a giant. They didn't know. So I was thinking of the best way to break it to her that um, I know you invested a lot, you know, but I'm not doing it. You know, I was thinking of how. And God did it in the most dramatic way. She was supposed to visit a man of God who had prophetic gifts. They, I mean, it was supposed to be a prayer meeting. And she asked me to accompany her since I was on holiday. As I got into the place with her, the man said, why are you here? So she was startled. Like, what do you mean? Well, we've been talking via text and via phone calls and all of that. What do you mean, why am I here? He said, why are you here? She said, I came for prayer. He said, you came to me for prayer and this is your son. He said, your son will plant churches around the world. She heard it from a stranger first. Well, let me tell you, all those things are nice. When you get a job, I, I don't know some of you, you heard from God, but opportunity came. I, I think I'm talking now. <laughs> opportunity came, you left it, you say, God, wait. You, you have no business in bank, you know. You know, you have no business there. No business. With all the oil in your life, Zenith Bank. You're, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, oh. you know. You know, where's the midweek service? I was prophesying, and I think it was so spot on, the person couldn't hold it. So the person was shouting, Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Who was there? You remember? <laughs> no. Welcome to Celebration Church. <laughs> I was saying more things. The person was Jesus. 
Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hear the word of the Lord. As I begin a round off, I just want to say, If I have to, I think I'm going to do a part two of this, maybe midweek service. Let me say this to you. Don't waste your period of preparation. I know you are so eager to make it in life, to have more money, to have more influence, but don't waste your period of preparation. This space you are in now is the opportunity to build character. Don't think you are ready to handle the billions. As you are waiting for it, start building character. Dig and make sure your foundation is deep enough. This is the time. This is the time. This is the time. So God, preparing these children of Israel for a land flowing with milk and honey, started giving them manna. He said, so that you will know that man shall not live by bread alone. What if that was your perspective? The things that I want in my life, I don't have enough of it. Maybe this is an opportunity to start learning, preparing for when I do, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You Listen, you want to escape poverty so urgently to your own peril. And the promised land is just there. So the place where the book of Deuteronomy was actually curated, they could see from a high plane the promised land. God is saying, I'm going to give it to you. But hear this first. Learn this first. Learn this now. This is a prophetic message. You will be tested. Oh my God. I have many personal stories. Let me tell you one. Years ago, I preached a sermon like this. I didn't know that from this sermon, my own test would come. So one boy came, young boy. He was convicted. He said, sir, you know, he was crying. I want to lose, I want to leave my job and everything. I said, what happened? He said, my parents don't know this. In fact, I'm living a coded life. I drive a small car. But... I receive a lot of money I shouldn't have. I said, how much are we talking about? He said, yeah, about a hundred million. I don't want it, I don't want it. Give me an account, let me send it to. <laughs> See, to preach is you. <laughs> He said, sir, ever since you preached that sermon, I've had a wait. I just want to. He said, he said, I have cars. I'm driving a small car. My parents don't know, but I actually have cars. I have um, Mercedes SUV. I have, he mentioned five exotic cars. He said, please give me an address. I want to drop them there. I want to. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know you can't spiritualize it. Is it not repentance? Bring it. The Lord, the Lord forgive you. <laughs> Prophet Gehazi. <laughs> Prophet Gehazi. I said, I cannot take it. I told him what to do. As I turned back, the devil said, ah, you are so foolish. <laughs> you know, you have to understand, I'm not talking about now. I'm talking then. That money would have done a lot. And, <laughs> and you will not know. You will not know. Maybe imagine now we... Even now, do you understand that money will plant churches? People will hear the word of God. <laughs> That's what the devil will tell you. But I learned early in my life what God cannot give me. Let me never have. Let me never have. What God cannot give me. Let me never have. What God cannot give me. Let me never have. You see, that's not the biggest temptation I face, though. That one is small. <laughs> that one is small. What God cannot give me, let me never what? When I, when I preach something like this, I'm preaching from experience. Preaching from experience. I would rather be poor. You see, so, so, and this is the thing. I'm about to share something with you that will change your life. Never forget it. Are you ready? Devil will only offer you what is already your destiny. He will only offer you. So God has already determined to bless Abraham, but he will have the opportunity to get it by some other means. And it will take discipline for Abraham to say, mm -mm, take Lest you say you made Abraham rich. I don't want to spoil my testimony because this same money, I will still have plenty. I will still have. And then later, I'll be, I'll be looking back and saying, I would have been okay. But my testimony is soiled. And now, later in the future, I will not be able to separate it. People, I'll be, I will want to tell people that God actually blessed me legitimately. But the total summation of my wealth is fraud. Because of one moment of inconsistency, I've spoiled the testimony. This same Jesus that God has given a name above every name, that every knee should bow, of things in heaven, of things on the earth. Now, this same Jesus, once upon a time, they showed him the glories of this world. It was his for grabs. But if you are not willing to go to the cross, the devil will offer it to you cheap. Embrace your process. Come on, are you with me? It's not about who gets it first. Will you last? Will it last? It's not about how many people are doing it. Please, are you listening to me? <laughs> All right, I want to give you some tips. 
how to rid your heart of idols. Number one, sacrifice. Come on, are you with me? Number one is what? Oh my God. Even the things God gives you must be controlled. Because one day, God will command you, Abraham, take Isaac, whom you love, and offer him to me. And then you must bind Isaac. Please, are you listening to me? Let me tell you something. Oh my God, please, are you listening? So, if it's in the area of appetite, that's where fasting comes in. You must have a fasting life. I have a schedule in my life. If you go 12 months, for instance, and you don't give sacrificially, and you're making a lot of money, you are in trouble. You may not know it yet. Because money, <laughs> it will happen gradually. You will just wake up one day, your barn is full, and like that stupid man in Luke 12, you will break it and build a bigger one. Bind, bind Isaac. Put him on the altar. Give him to God. God gave him to you. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Without sacrifice, good things will become idols. Without sacrifice. Let me tell you something. Before you start making all the wealth that God is bringing your way, create a structure in your life. Let me tell you something. If your account is just bloated for no reason, you'll be in trouble. So, for instance, if you have people you are sponsoring, children you are sending to school, and all those things, temptation will be reduced. There's some flex that is irresponsible flex. When David was younger, he used to go to battle, but now why? Your mates are in battle, you come to the balcony. That's where temptation happens. Because, because you are not worrying anymore. No responsibilities. You are too convenient, too complacent. No sacrifice. No responsibility. What are you doing for God? What are you doing for people? What are you doing for the nation? You circumcise your heart. You cut a part of you. That's why. And so God is teaching them, don't follow their customs. Write your conviction on your forehead. Write it on your palm. You know, I've told you, only people who don't already have the mark of God on their hand, on their forehead will collect the mark of the beast. Before there was ever a mark of the beast, there was the mark of Christ. He says, meditate on the word of God. Put it on your forehead. Write it on your hand. Fill your heart with the word of God. Protect your heart from ungodly exposure. Let me tell you something. Don't be deceived, the Bible says. Evil association corrupts good manners. You must choose and curate your, expo your, your exposure wisely. Let me tell you this. You see, every day since Eve was created, she saw that tree of knowledge of good and evil as something not to be touched. 
But then she listened to the serpent. And her view of the tree changed. The Bible says she saw the fruit as one desirous to make one wise. Watch out for things that are changing your opinion. The things you had firm convictions against, but now, just so that you don't seem too religious because they've called you a bigot. Now you want to blend in so much. Your opinions have become soft. You're now thinking it's not that serious. You must protect yourself from ungodly exposure. Are you listening to me? Because once the serpent is talking to you, your view of that tree will change. The devil can change your view. Some of you know what I'm saying. The devil can change your view. Where the devil comes and says, did God say? But look at it from this way. Did God say? Did God say? Did God say? And this is why you must, one way to protect yourself from ungodly exposure is to embrace godly exposure. Which leads me to my next point and my final. There's a lot more to share, but I was ending. It's exercise. Please, what did I say? Oh my God. The Bible says, exercise yourself. It says, rather, meaning instead, unto godliness. You can, you can get stronger in godliness. And for you to do that, you need to, you need to present yourself to the influence of the word of God, to the influence of the spirit of God. This is why when you have the opportunity to come to church, don't stream. Don't stream. Go to church. It's different. The environment, the accountability, there is no online accountability. And as woke as the world has become, you still don't raise an army online. You don't raise an army online. Exercise. It's the way some of you respond here. I imagine it will be even worse at home. I have to remind you, re release yourself to God, express yourself, rejoice in the Lord, and all of that. Then at home, You are speaking in tongues, you are checking email. I will get back to you. I want to go to the Father. I want to go to eating cornflakes. Mm -hmm, the spirit. You know it's true. I get back in them. You know it's true. We, you see, we like to lie to ourselves. We like to lie to ourselves. You must submit. See, submit yourself for accountability this year, this year, this year, this year, this year. Maybe you should join a service unit. Join a service unit. Get serious. So that when the devil tries to talk to you, Eve will not be without Adam. Because if there were two, someone will say, don't listen to him, he's alive. Guys, you know how hard it is to get a girl's attention when she's with her friends? That's accountability. <laughs> it's not always a bad thing to protect you from foolish people. I'm sorry to say. 
I'm just saying, not everybody is. You, please, do you understand what I'm saying? Accountability. Have a strong core. Strong. Make, make sure the devil has to go through rigors to get you. Go through rigors. Go through rigors. Create structure in your life. By the time the person asking you out, you say, oh, I have a policy. My pastor will know. <laughs> if he's not serious, he will disappear. <laughs> if you went on on your own, don't now call me when it breaks. She will not be here now. This year, any relationship I don't know about, the breakup, I don't know. Because, because sometimes it's, it's unintentional manipulation. Because now you want to use my influence to get him to behave. He says he's not doing it again. <laughs> Hallelujah. I will lay down my idols, the thrones I have made. All that I stake in my heart. Make that vow say, Lord, I will bow to you to know the God, but you alone. I will lay, say, I will lay down my idols. Lord, I will bow. Lord, I will bow to you to no other God but you alone. Hallelujah. I want to give you a few seconds to do a heart search and do a heart circumcision now. Whatever it is that is not God, but it's taking a place that only God should have. Cut it out of your life now. Cut it out of your life. Cut it out of your life. I'm giving you time for introspection. God brought you here to save your life. He brought you here to save your life. He brought you here to save your life. He brought you here to save your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Listen. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. Say with me in the name of Jesus. I am content. See, I may not be where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. Lord, thank you for where I am. I refuse to be ungrateful for how far you've brought me, comparing myself to others, 
Lord, I'm content. Thank you. Thank you for my job. Thank you that I'm alive. Thank you for my health. Thank you for my family. Thank you. I want you to say that to the Lord and say it from your heart. Say that from your heart. Say it fervently. Say it fervently. Because the final way to rid your heart of idols is gratitude. Give God thanks from the depth of your heart right now. Gratitude. Some of you need to say, Lord, thank you for the body you gave me. You gave me this body because in your wisdom, you knew that the assignment I have in this world requires a body like this. I may not understand it, but there is a purpose and an intent. I refuse to compare myself to people in magazines. Thank you for my process. I refuse to grumble. I refuse to murmur. I refuse to complain. Thank you for my friend's car. I know mine is coming. And until then, I remain thankful. I read my heart of comparison. I read my heart of envy. In the name of Jesus, I read my heart of envy. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Oh, you're going to pray one last prayer. And I want you to do it from your spirit. The Bible says that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Listen, there are some things that you have been waiting for for years. You don't have strong faith if you begin to stagger. Like Abraham, I stagger not. I stagger not. Begin to declare. Begin to declare. I'm strong in faith. Giving glory to God. I refuse to stagger. My convictions about God have not changed. His promise has not changed. Delay is not denial. And my conviction is not built on my experience. It's built on the word of God. I stagger not at God's promise. I believe it with my heart. I solidify my conviction right now. Strong in faith. Giving glory to God. Strong in faith. Giving glory to God. I'm strong in faith. Giving glory to God. I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm strong. I refuse to doubt. I refuse to entertain negative, compromising options. I'm strong in faith. I refuse. In a world of Ishmael's, I insist on Isaac. 
I insist on Isaac. Faithful is he that promised. I stagger not. At the promise of God. My timetable is not the timetable of my friend. My friend got it fast, but my own is coming. My neighbor got it fast, but my own is coming. I refuse to judge the faithfulness of God in my life based on the timetable of my neighbor. I'm giving you time to repent, repent, repent. Lord, in any way that I began to judge you based on the timetable of my neighbor, I repent. I have a change of heart in the name of Jesus. And right now, like Abraham, I stagger not. Stagger not at the promise of God. I'm strong in faith, strong in faith, strong in faith. Strong in faith. Strong in faith. It says, they that wait upon the Lord. Oh Lord, I have learned to wait. I've learned to trust in you. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. And to take him by his word. I rest upon your promise. I've learned to wait. I will wait. I will wait. I insist on Isaac. I insist on Isaac. I insist on Isaac. I insist. Thank you, Jesus. Palato kapaya. Pele manongra stafene mondiretefina kopatale. Velendo ni matopre. Brasutele matoka. Akanonde remina kapaya. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.